as we move towards the future, uh, the internet should become much more personalized and people should get much more value for the things that they do, for the content they consume, for the activities they engage in. Hi, this is Steffi and welcome back to The Financial Fox. Today we are discussing gaming, investing in Web3 as the future economy with our special guest, Jason Oliver, co-founder of Patron, an early stage venture firm investing in the converge of games, consumer and Web3. Now, before we get into the interview, remember that all the content here is for informational purposes only. So any kind of decision that you take in investment is obviously down to you and to your own research. Remember that to stay ahead of the game, you need to get educated and you need to skill up. Now, if you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, you can click the subscribe button now to stay up to date with our news and interviews. And also, if you don't follow us on social media, follow the Financial Fox, where you obviously get all the content updates. And uh, I would love to hear from you. So any comment, add them on the YouTube channel in the comment section or send me an email at steffi at financialfox.news. I hope that you enjoy this conversation. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm great. Good morning. It's great to, uh, it's great to be on. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm, uh, I'm very excited to discuss uh, with you all this concept about gaming and uh, play to earn and then the future of economy. So it's going to be a really cool discussion. But maybe to start with, would you like to kind of quickly introduce yourself and also tell us a bit about Patron and what makes Patron different from other VCs in the gaming space? Sure. So my name is Jason Ye. I'm a co-founder and general partner at Patron. We're an early stage venture firm investing in what we call a spectrum of play. And so convergence of games, consumer, Web3. Um, I co-founded the firm with my co-founder, Brian, about a year ago. We raised a $90 million fund. We're primarily investing at the seed stage. So we're going to invest in about 25 companies. Uh, we typically lead or co-lead, write checks anywhere from one to four million. Um, and my, my background is that prior to founding Patreon, I was initially started my career in venture. I was a founding team member at Firstmark in New York. And one of the deals that I worked on was helping to co-lead the Series A of Riot Games, which we co-led with Benchmark. And then I joined Riot with, um, I joined Riot just before League of Legends launched and then spent nine years there building out publishing, then international. And then I moved to Berlin where I built and ran the esports team. Um, and then my co-founder, Brian, Similar, similar background, uh, started his career in venture at Andreessen Horowitz, joined Riot a few years after me, and then he built out uh, corporate and business development, oversaw Riot's uh, venture arm, M&A, uh, and basically looked at and supported a lot of different studios uh, over his time. Um, and I think for us, Riot was less about building a game company, and it was more an example of a company that deeply understood what started off as a niche community, niche audience, and ended up growing to be, uh, I think the company mentioned that over 500 million people have interacted with the League of Legends IP over the last decade. And so we, we got to see it go from zero to one in terms of building a game, building a sport, 
and then more recently building into film and music and broader entertainment. And so we really wanted to uh, use our experience there and also the networks that we built from uh, being at Riot uh, to support founders building across consumer um, at the earliest stage. Okay, so let's uh, focus on this because, uh, I mean, your conviction is that games uh, will be uh, shaping the future of our economy and our society. And it's very interesting, this aspect you are saying about the convergence of Web3 and the consumer industry. I think it's quite interesting because it also brings in all this concept about play to earn and also a new, um, a new way to see a consumer, which become a prosumer as well. So just to unpack a little bit this concept concept about Web3, the consumer industry, and then we can maybe uh, expand a little bit into play to earn as well. Sure. Uh, I'll just start by saying, I think a lot of Web2 was categorized by companies building these products where like the people using the products, they're basically uh, providing attention that was either sold for advertising or in in the cases where it was a virtual goods driven model they were effectively like renting renting virtual goods to to users and so i think for us like we think of we think of web3 as being like a technology that enables a way for people to have more ownership over the things they do the things they consume uh, to get more value out of the different activities that they are engaging in online and so it's i don't think it's necessarily tied to any one specific product or one type of experience. It's just this broader idea that um, as we move towards the future, uh, the internet should become much more personalized and people should get much more value for the things that they do, for the content they consume, for the activities they engage in. Um, and so that's just something that we fundamentally believe. And I think similarly, I, I mentioned at the outset, this idea of spectrum of play and, and games as well, like how that touches on it. and. I think for us, like we, be, we believe that gaming goes beyond just the entertainment kind of leisure use case. And if you look at kids growing up on Roblox and Discord, like those products aren't, they're not even games. It's just how they exist online, how they connect with their friends, how they communicate with one another. And so I think you'll see that products going forward that allow people to have fun, interact with others, build and form community. I think those are going to be the products that win, whether it's in entertainment or in personal finance or education or health and wellness, like what would have you, like regardless of what vertical it's in, I think the products that ultimately succeed will feel, will have a lot of those attributes. So if you're, you have to think about the games, they are leading the space. Obviously you mentioned Roblox uh, and that there is a lot going on with fashion and Rob, Roblox. And then you see that as well in Asia that is doing uh, lots of stuff there uh, and and then uh, uh, obviously with nft and blockchain that digital asset becomes portable and you know there is also a, a better way to monetize outside the game uh, what are uh, any other games that you see uh, are kind of paving the way in uh, or are kind of leading this uh, web3 new economy yeah, I, I, I'll first just mention quickly. So you mentioned Roblox. I think two other like really strong companies more on the Web2 side that allowed people to go beyond this idea of like just playing a game and becoming more of like becoming part of your identity and building culture and having more of uh, like digital fashion and things like that. I think um, Epic with Fortnite and then Riot with League of Legends. I think both of these games became much more about just like 
playing the game and competing for like objectives in the gameplay. And it became more about like this, like playing the game represents who I am and whether what champions I play and what skins I buy and like how I dress the characters like that actually is like a reflection of like who I am and like my, my personal taste. And so I think that's only going to continue uh, going forward. The, the, the idea of like the digital self and your physical self, I think it's going to become more, it's going to more and more like intersect and overlap over time. And I think that companies that are effective at kind of like helping to encourage or push towards that will be, will be successful. I think on the Web3 side, it's still, it's still very early. I think the reason why you can point to Roblox, Riot and Epic being, or League and Fortnite being good examples is because hundreds of millions of people use those products on a regular basis. And it's like a part of people's like everyday life. And when you look at many of these like early Web3 products, you're talking about users in the hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands or, or thousands or hundreds. And so I, I think it's, it's still too early to say that there is any one example of a company that's creating like the Web3 version of that. But I think the one thing w which is true is that um, blockchain enables people to have more agency and ownership of the, these digital assets. And so using this technology, I think will enable people to like capture and retain more value from these um, from these items than they necessarily would have if they were uh, purchasing them just for use in one game uh, as they do in like League or in Fortnite. Um, yeah. One of the things is that I understand, the, you know, the, the, the younger people, right? They maybe are more into games and maybe they are doing exactly what you said, okay? Uh, but what about people, older people, like uh, today's generation, my generation, the people, you know, your generation, yeah. Okay, maybe some, they are into games, but the majority isn't. So what I'm trying to understand is that this Web3 is just something for the future generation that now is very early stages, is going to develop and is going to take on as the new generation become today generation. Or is there a way where actually we see also our today generation kind of embrace Web3 yeah, I think as with any new technology, it needs to get to the point where you're thinking less about the technology. Like I'm not using something because it was Web2 or because it was mobile. I was using something because the product existed where I was. So I, people started carrying around smartphones wherever they went. And so if you had like mobile native products, like you had a better chance to engage users at scale. And I think Web3 Web will be the same. I think it's less going to be about targeting people who are already trading crypto or buying and selling NFTs and more about can you actually give consumers a better experience using the technology than they otherwise would have had? And so I think some of the, if you go beyond, I think a lot of the earliest use cases are like art and collectibles and, and things that are more focused around trading, like buy and selling. But I think if you look at, if you look at areas like, like customer loyalty programs or like event ticketing, or uh, basically any kind of like, like brand reward program, those are the kinds of things where th theoretically, like you should be able to use blockchain technology to create a more personalized experience that allows people to capture more value from the things that they're doing. So one example that I use, um, like say uh, in, in the music space, like I'm a fan of a certain artist. And if the artist comes to Los Angeles and is playing concert, I have the same ability to buy a ticket as anybody else. And, and that feels like, like, maybe that's not fair if I've spent like thousands of hours listening to their music, watching their streams, like going to their other shows. And so if you had a way that 
allowed you to more closely track and get value for all of these things that you're doing online, offline, on-chain, on, off-chain, and then allow that to unlock your ability to get better access or get like a more personalized experience. I think that's something that most people would be excited about because then it's like all the things that they, they do from a day-to-day basis will actually give them like better experiences and things they care about. And so I think ultimately for for my generation, for our generation, for people of, of regardless of generation, I think if you can help them accomplish things that are like meaningful to them in their day-to-day life better using technology, then I think they will use it. Um, I think we're, we're still not quite there. Like right now, it still feels like you're targeting people who are like opting into be active in crypto and buy NFTs. And so I think you'll, you'll need to see more products come out, which people use not because there are NFTs, but because NFTs make the product better before you see like wider adoption. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's a very good point. But um, one thing that perhaps uh, would be good uh, to kind of um, discuss a little bit is uh, the fact uh, are NFT ready for the gaming industry? Because we have seen a lot of critics about, you know, um, NFTs for games selling for a lot of money and then being dumped on the secondary market. So, um, yeah, how do you see NFT kind of like evolving with games and uh, are we there yet? Yeah, I think even if you look beyond games, I think a lot of these like early, early versions of like tokens and NFTs, like it, it does feel like it's more optimized for traders and for people who are like buying and selling and trying their, their primary motivation or one of their primary motivation is to make money. Um, and so I, I think that um, the technology by itself, I don't think is necessarily the thing that people are uh excited about, angry about, they like, they don't like. I think it's more the implementation of the technology in these specific games are, it feels like in many cases, not in all cases, but in many cases, like these these NFTs for these games release before the games come out. So before the games are even playable. And then the only real thing you can do with them is like buy and sell them and, and trade them. And, yeah. Yeah. Because there is no utility. It's all about utility. And at the end of the day, if the utility is just a picture or, you know, is uh, uh, maybe access, has to be access to something. Sure. And I think this utility has kind of to be built yet. Yeah. And, and, and I think ultimately, like, it takes time to make, make great games. And it takes time to make games that people play for, like, 10 hours, 50 hours, 100 hours, 500 hours. Like, it's, it's very difficult to do. Um, and so... I think you just need, you, you need better games to come out where the primary motivation for people playing is not necessarily to make money from selling the NFT, but it's to compete and get better, it's to play with your friends, it's to accomplish some other intrinsic goal. Um, so you need like better uh, games to come out where NFT is just the byproduct of how the virtual goods are, the technology on which the virtual goods system is built. I think separately, you also need to think why is the item better as an NFT? Like, why couldn't it just be like not an NFT? Why couldn't it just be like a a digital, like a virtual good, like it exists in Fortnite or League of Legends? And and I think that's a question that is really important to answer. And the benefits that you get from it being an NFT need to be same as the benefits that the players actually want. Um, And so I think in in many cases, that's not super clear um, today. But I do think the companies that are very successful in the future are going to be the ones where they understand, like, what are the 
what is the value proposition and benefit of having the items be NFTs and then have that factor into like why people want to play and why they continue to play. Yeah, yeah exactly. And here, Patron is an investor. So tell me a little bit about what are, uh, you know, the criteria for you to choose a specific project uh, instead of another, what kind of actually project you are currently sure. investing. Yeah. Um, so I think for us, like we patron invest at the seed stage. So we're typically the first institutional investor, the first venture venture firm that invests when the company's first raising money. And so I would say for us, like one of the most important things is just having the highest conviction behind the team and believing that there's really strong like product founder fit and that they have some kind of like unique insider edge as it relates to the audience that they're building for the type of product they want to build. Um, and so I think that first and foremost, like we have to have the greatest conviction behind the team. I think for us, it's also really important because we're typically lead investor. We need to believe that our background coming from venture and helping to build Riot and the network that we have has to be really relevant for something that's going to help these companies get from zero to one or help them launch the product, get to their next milestone. And so because we're only going to do about 25 companies per, uh, per fund, we need to believe that we can be really value, like we can be really hands-on and helpful to uh, to the company. Um, and so what what that's meant is that a lot of our investments are, I mentioned earlier, uh, on the Web three side in the uh, intersection of Web three and consumer or Web three and games. I'll highlight a couple companies that we've most recently become involved with. Um, so one of them is a company called Sesame Labs. Uh, the founders came out of Meta. They built products for both WhatsApp and Instagram. And they're building effectively a Web3 growth engine for uh, initially targeting game developers. So helping game developers identify and convert new players into retained players by building almost like a quest system that allows people to get in-game rewards for doing certain things in the game that make you more likely to become a regular player of the game. And over time, they want to be able to build a valuable network of players that other developers can go into to try to find uh, and and leverage to like launch their products. And so this feels like something which is which is missing in Web three today. Like Web three, a, a lot of the a lot of the focus is just on getting people to like sign up and like buy an NFT, but not necessarily stay with products long term. And so we feel like this is something which will help a lot of different types of developers not only figure out like who their audience should be, but help convert those audiences into like more engaged, like long-term uh, audiences. So that was more on like the infrastructure side for, for developers building uh, games and consumer apps. Um, another one recently is a story DAO. So it's a team uh, that is building using web three to build effectively like an IP incubation platform. So they, uh, they focus their efforts on identifying these creative leaders, so like showrunners, um, uh, I guess like traditionally from Hollywood, so showrunners and artists, and they pair them with a community of contributors to allow the group to collectively build IP. And the goal is to effective is to eventually launch like interesting entertainment properties in a much more decentralized fashion that allows like writers and artists and all different types of people from the community to not only be involved in creating the IP, but also become co-owners of the IP through uh, Web3 and by building on chain. Um, and so that's a, a, a team where we, we believe that long term, Hollywood and entertainment in general, it's there has to be better ways for creative talent uh, in these industries to get more value for what they're contributing uh, into these ecosystems where today it's like very, it's very, um, how do you say, stratified. Yeah. 
it, yeah, so like studio heads and like studios like like have all the leverage and capture most of the value and they're um, and a lot of these like up and coming writers and even if you create uh, IP that becomes very valuable, like typically like uh, as the creator, you own very little of it. And so we feel like this is an interesting area where the technology and the incentive mechanism uh, using blockchain can actually be something which uh, can produce very interesting and valuable output. Um, yeah. Definitely. And uh, listen, I want to pick up your brain on fashion because yeah. that is the intersection between, you know, consumer industry, then there is a lot about brands. And then, uh, you know, there is this new technology and crypto that has completely disrupted fashion. How do you think uh, games uh, can kind of help fashion to innovate and yeah. to kind of step to the next level? So I, um, having worked at Riot, I'm also, I'm an angel investor originally in High Stability, um, which is this, uh, I guess started off as a sneaker blog based in Berlin uh, and New York and has now become kind of this like cross media, cross platform, uh, a company that is, has built like reputation and credibility with younger audiences around fashion and, and culture. Um, and so I think gaming is one of the places where you can actually wear and show off digital fashion. So if you think about like Riot did a, a collection with uh, Louis Vuitton, I think. Burberry, I believe did something or Gucci did something in Roblox. So a lot of like fashion houses have leveraged these game worlds like League, Fortnite, Roblox to introduce their brands and digital clothing because those are the places where there's already hundreds of millions of people like interacting on a day-to-day -day basis. And within those worlds, like it matters like what you wear and what you wear reflects like who you are and like things that you like. And so I think gaming world gaming worlds represent a great opportunity for or one of the best opportunities for digital fashion to emerge and exist because these are the places where people spend time and these are the places where you go not necessarily just to like beat another team but you go to like show off like who you are and like things that you like and um and so i i expect that there will be more more opportunities and more cases of like both real world fashion brands, but also vert, like digital native fashion brands like Artifact. And I think there, there's like Dematerialized and Fabricant uh, from, from Europe. And so there's a lot of companies that are kind of innovating there and and vert, like game-based worlds feel like a better place to start than, um, than non-game non ones. Because it's always a question of like, well, you can create this world, but if nobody's there, then is anybody gonna care about like what clothes you're wearing or like what, what brand it is? I, I think that that's the hard part. So you need to, you need to infiltrate and get into um, environments where a lot of people already are interacting and existing. Yeah. How important is identity in Web3? I, I, th I think identity, so for people in general, I think one of the interesting opportunities of Web3 is like it allows you to better shape and own like your identity in the, on, on the digital side. And so I think increasingly as like people spend more time online using like online services like playing games watching movies like hanging out with their friends online it's going to be really important to be able to like represent who you are online and you're not going to be able to like uh, necessarily see someone in person and see what they're wearing and see what uh, activities are like it's going to be about like what you look like what you like to do uh, in these in these virtual worlds and so i do think like like digital identity is only going to become more important over time and companies that allow people to really like 
establish like who they are and then represent and show off like things that they uh, that represent them um, are going to be successful. And one uh, one question that I mean, we talk a lot about uh, gaming become more pervasive in kind of like every kind of action on anything that we do. What about remote working, kind of like teamwork online. Do you think a game is going to play a role there as well? So in a way that people work together is going to become more gamified? I don't know. Um, but uh, perhaps it could because it's all about incentive, it's about quests, it's yeah. about teamwork sometimes. So am I wrong thinking about that or I how do you see it? I think you can learn a lot from especially like team-based games or games where like large groups of people have to like cooperate and collaborate uh, toward, towards something. I think you can learn a lot about, uh, you can learn a lot from games that do that effectively. Because I think at the end of the day, it's all about how do you like align people? How do you allow people to have like clear communication? How do you create like an environment where people can both like be very productive and drive output like individually, but also collectively? Like how can you actually do this in a group setting? And so... I don't know that the answer is necessarily like turning like the things that you do for work like into some kind of game, but I do think you can pull like attributes and design principles and ideas around like how do you get people to effectively work together. I think you can certainly learn a lot of stuff from games and companies that understand that and can create that, I think will be, um, yeah, they'll, they'll definitely have a, a market for, for their products. Okay, I've got a question about DAOs, right? Yeah. Are you looking at DAOs as a potential investment in terms of project? Um, yeah, tell, tell me what you think about them. Yeah, I think, I think DAOs are, it's, it's a form of organization that seems like it's going to become more prevalent. And there's a lot of examples of different types of DAOs that are trying to build different types of, uh, whether it's like build, IP or build like build towards some other goal. Uh, one DAO that we um, invested in in a small capacity, like we we purchased the noun through the fund, and so we're part of the nouns DAO. Um, we're actually very actively involved in a subgroup within that DAO, specifically around esports and games. Uh, so nouns esports. Uh, so if you're unfamiliar, nouns is this uh, CC zero project. They auction off a, a noun NFT every day, um, and all of the proceeds from that auction go into a share treasury that the nouns holders can collectively decide like how to spend that treasury and like what type of projects to approve. And the overarching goal for this DAO is to proliferate and build value around the nouns brand and IP. And so specifically with the games subgroup, uh, the idea was to use gaming and use esports as a way to introduce like the nouns brand to gamers who uh, by and large, a lot of gamers are like skeptical or like not big fans of NFTs. And so we thought this could be an interesting way to kind of in a much more lighthearted meme centric fashion, like present something to gamers that they'll actually relate with. And so uh, we passed a proposal to purchase a Dota 2 team. Uh, Dota 2 is a, a, a hardcore like team based game. And um, and the Nouns team did really well. And uh, we sent like Nouns glasses, the Nouns like jerseys to the, the pros to actually compete like live and on stream. And when they're doing interviews, they talk about like representing the Nouns brand and things like that. And so it's been really fascinating to like be part of and see how you can, in a decentralized fashion, like organize people towards these kind of goals and actually uh, accumulate and then deploy uh, significant amounts of capital towards these kind of like projects and initiatives that 
uh, have the effect of like expanding the visibility into this um, into this brand. And so it, it's been it's been a good learning experience. I think there's certainly one of the challenges of being in a DAO is that it is very decentralized. So sometimes it feels like unless there's people volunteering to really step up and drive ownership over specific initiatives or try to get certain things executed, um, it can it can just feel like a lot of people dis discussing and debating like what things we should do, but then not actually getting a lot of things done. Um, but I do think in general, like there are better there are better tools and platforms that enable people to like facilitate this kind of coordination and collaboration and uh, and at least for us, like Nouns was one of the best examples of actually being able to build a treasury and motivate people and encourage people to actually deploy the treasury towards uh, specific goals. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think there is a lot that still the DAO uh, has to learn and kind of, uh, um, yeah, mature as well. Talking about metaverses before we uh, finish off, obviously lots of games uh, um, are uh, or you know, has built metaverse. They seems to be kind of like the future, right? So, um, but they are still very primitive. Uh, they still have a lot to develop before they can offer a complete new reality. Where do you think we are in the metaverse space? And uh, how do you see projects like the Sandbox or the Centraland or uh, many others kind of like paving the way for a new or a parallel, parallel virtual world that could be similar but also different from our physical world? Yeah, so I think like the last couple of years, this idea of like what is a metaverse has really evolved. And so I think like one of the early examples, like Ready Player One, and people think that, oh, it's like in the future, instead of the real world, you'll just log into this virtual world and do everything like in your life and you'll just spend all your time there. And then you have like Facebook rebranding as meta and uh, and showing examples of like what it could look like if people were just like walking around this like 3D virtual world. I think it feels like over, especially the last year or so, the, the concept of the metaverse has evolved to more represent like people's virtual identity and virtual activities, like digital activities. And so even things like being on Twitter or like being on Discord or being in these like on like digital native communities where you're interacting with a lot of people, you're doing things that like represent who you are and, and try to like coordinate with people to get things done. Like this could all be considered like part of part of metaverse because it's not you're not meeting in person to build things uh, like in, in real life. Like these are things that are all done virtually or all done digitally. Um, and so I, I do believe that this like broader definition of metaverse and this more open definition of metaverse means that there will be a lot of opportunities to create experiences that bring people together and help people accomplish like meaningful goals, whether that's like help them to learn, help them to socialize, help them to like build and form communities, help them to like be entertained. Um, and so I, I think it, it is less about just creating like a 3D game environment where you can like walk around as a character and more about just collectively, like what are all the things that we do online that contribute to like what our identity is? Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of like how, how we think about Metaverse. And so um, I think as it relates to the 3D world, the the big challenge is always like, how do you, how do you create a product that reaches scale? Like, what is the reason why people are going to like log in and use something? And is it going to be meaningful enough for them to actually stay and over time for it to become stickier and stickier? And you're spending like more time doing that thing or more time on the platform. And I think that 
gaming is a great place to start because uh, if you build a really fun game, like that's a great way to bring a lot of people together at scale. And then you can figure out other ways to create more meta, meta game and other reasons for people to log in. Um, I think just building the, the world by itself without a, a kind of a primary use case is, is challenging. And I think that's why like projects like Decentraland and Sandbox, it's like they, they still have relatively small user. Like if you look at League of Legends versus like Decentraland, like it's, it's hard to compare like the user. Yeah, the central land, you know, maybe there are all the brands houses there, but then you go there and what do you do? I mean, you are there with your computer. That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, it's like the experience yeah. uh, is just so frustrating that I can't see all this investment that has been made in the metaverse to be kind of useful. And there are a lot of money going into Web3. Yeah, I think it makes sense for, for brands and companies to experiment and to make sure that they can, especially it's better to like be part of something early and be part of it as it grows than to find something way too late and then and then try to like get in after the fact. And so, uh, and it's very hard to say, like uh, none of like even League of Legends when we first launched, very small user base. And then it grew over a very long period of time, like over a decade plus. And so it's very hard to look at something early and, and judge whether or not it can reach scale. But I think the important thing is that it needs to be able to reach scale in order for it to have the impact of like a lot of these major brands and uh, companies like going there and actually having like productive exper experiences for, for their consumers. And also for consumers to actually go there and like want to do things that they care about and actually are important to them. It makes them want to come back every day. And so I think, again, we're just, we're still very early. Um, but, um, I, I do think there's a lot, there are exciting things happening in the space. And as more people spend more time online, there will be new kind of like worlds and new experiences that emerge that kind of capture people's attention. How do you think brands or companies already established company of web through web two are keen to accept the input of consumers? So we talk about the consumer, which is fine. You offer new product, new experience in the virtual world in gaming to kind of engage with your consumer more. But then the consumer become a prosumer. So it start to be part of the production circle and how do you think those companies are happy to embrace production from the consumer? Yeah, I, I think so. Maybe it's less like getting the consumers to actually like be part of production, but more this idea of like, how do you tier your consumers into like the people who are like just learning about your products, the people who maybe sometimes use your product to the people who like live and breathe your product and, and really it like it's a part of who they are and they want to be like more, more heavily involved in anything related to like what, what you do. And I think like it is important for brands to understand or for any kind of company, it could be a music company, film company, game company to understand who those like most passionate people are, because those are the people that are going to spend the most time. Uh, they're the people who are going to stay the longest or the people that they can also tap into to figure out what should they do next and like what, what new areas can they expand into. And so I think that that probably should be more of the angle of like being excited about having more insight into who your like best and most loyal and most highly engaged community members are and how do you make them become more part of like what you're doing going forward because the idea is that it's not that you're going to be giving up some piece of the pie that you otherwise didn't share but rather it would be about how do you create like an even bigger pie and then if you share some of it with, with users that's great because then they're going to they're going to feel even more uh, passionate and and advocate even more for the things that you do. Um, and so I, I think that that should be the way that, that people think about it. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, just to wrap it up, tell me a little bit what is uh, boiling at the moment at Patron, what you are busy with. What we're busy with. So we're, we're about a little over a year uh, into our firm. And so we're thinking about fun too. We're thinking about kind of expanding the team and how do we build more of a franchise versus just having, having this one fund. Um, it's, um, it's an interesting time in the markets overall, both like the broad macro and also the crypto markets, but it's also an exciting time to be a founder and to actually like really build um, ahead of where like new technology shifts or these kind of paradigm shifts like, like to Web3 represents a really unique moment in time where you can really build something that can be the category defining kind of like products and services of the next generation. And so there's just a lot of like excitement, but like we're, we're founders ourselves, And so we're thinking about how do we like build our firm, build our brand? How do we connect with more founders that we, that we don't necessarily have in our media network? And so these are kinds of the things that we're, we're most focused on right now. Okay, uh, Jason, listen, anybody that would like to check out what Patron does, has got any kind of question, or maybe as a project that they would like to pitch to you, where can they find you? Sure. Um, you can find uh, me on Twitter. I'm at Jason Oliver, J-A-S-O-N-O-L-I-V-E-R. My co-founder is Brian. He's uh, at Brian J. Cho. Um, and then our website is uh, www.patron.xyz. Um, so you can find us online and we're, we're happy to chat. Amazing. Jason, thank you so much for joining. It was a great chat. Cool. It was great to be on the show. Thank you for having me and hope you have a great day.